Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. KPC, good morning. Happy Easter. He is risen. Indeed. All right. Amen. Um, I am Steve Keller. I'm the pastor here. If some of you are new, um, I'm one of the pastors. Mark is another. Neil, you saw just a moment ago. Um, And we have a theme for Holy Week. I don't know if you all realized it. Hopefully, we did it well enough. But uh, last week on Palm Sunday, Mark shared with us our first theme word of Holy Week, which was promised. And in, 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 uh, just preaching about that, that wonderful processional of Jesus riding into Jerusalem and the fanfare and the palms and the rejoicing and everyone just being swept up in the kingdom of God coming to them. Uh, Thursday night, Neil presented us with our second theme word, which is sacrificed. And if you came out to the Tenebrae service or you've been to it before, it, it's a service where there's a lot of spoken word. Uh, meaning scripture. It's highly visual. We kind of go back in time, and we reflected on the crucifixion, um, the trial, the arrest, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And today, Easter morning, our word is resurrected. Um, Yes. And we have celebrated that We've been all excited. You know, we have all this wonderful energy just surrounding the victory of Jesus. And so now I've got a painful task. Um, I have actually got to take you back in time. And I'm going to try to actually set the mood of the very first Easter morning for the followers of Jesus Christ. So I just want to prepare you for a mood shift, but it will be a very necessary mood shift. So to do that, I want to ask you a question. And the question is... Have you ever been deeply disappointed with somebody before? Yes, of course you have. We're human beings. Um, Have you ever been disappointed to the point of emotional devastation with somebody before? That's quite a different thing, isn't it? Um, I'm going to tell you a story in my life of of, uh, just having been at that place before. Um, back Back when I was in college... Um, I, had, I was a prodigal son for a number of years. You would not have recognized uh, the Steve before Jesus, okay? Um, I, I, was, I was bad news um, for a lot of reasons. But I came to Christ just fully just before I went to college. And so I went to Appalachian State University. Okay, okay, there's a couple of you. So I went to ASU, and I'm just on fire for Jesus. I am so hungry to learn to grow. You know, you know, if, if, you know when you have that moment of experiencing salvation, just everything is open to you spiritually. So I go to Appalachian. I'm really excited. And I ended up attending a storefront church in downtown Boone, and it was led by a, a dynamic pastor. Um, this guy preached like nobody I'd ever heard preach before just an incredible preacher. Um, He mentored several of us, us us young, hungry college students, um, the ins and outs of the Christian life, heavy-duty discipleship, the ins and outs of ministry as well. And and he, he not only taught us how to pray effectively, he led us in prayer weekly. And we would have these two, three-hour prayer services and just the pastor pouring into these college students like this. It was incredible. Um, the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4.15. He says, Though you have 10,000 spiritual guardians in Christ, 
you do not have many spiritual fathers. Pastor Tony was my spiritual father. He was a spiritual father to a number of us for, for a short season of our life. So, imagine what it felt like when I got a call um, one summer, and, and uh, I had gone to Wilmington, North Carolina, my hometown. I was serving a, a youth internship there and trying out ministry myself, and I, I, I got a call one day from a friend, and he was in tears. And... Um, I, I, I said, Pete, what's going on? And he said, Steve, Pastor Tony um, left the church, and he left his wife this morning. Um, he ran away with a, a, a woman, and um, he, he's not coming back. He's never coming back. Y'all, when the room stopped spinning, because that, that's literally what I felt, when the, when the room stopped spinning, I was absolutely crushed emotionally. I mean, it felt, like a, it felt like a crater had landed in my heart. And just to be very honest with you, it took me months to recover um, from the, just the, the spiritual wound of this spiritual father in whom I had put so much trust. In that moment, and, and for a little while in my faith, um, I was absolutely devastated. Now, I want to be very careful with this story because... In no way am I comparing Pastor Tony to Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus, our Lord Jesus, was without sin. He lived a perfect life. But in that story, what I am comparing is I'm comparing how I felt to how the followers of Jesus felt that first Easter morning. There was a devastation like this over everyone who dared to believe in Jesus. You know, you know, when it came to Jesus, for them, he had amazed everyone. You know, Jesus had come onto the scene. They've waited so long for God's salvation. There hasn't been a prophet for 400 years, and here comes Jesus. And he comes, and, and, and he comes with this wisdom and this teaching and these miracles, Jesus comes and he is living the love of God like nobody's ever seen. No one has ever seen just the power and the compassion of God flow out and, and just the impact of Jesus on the world in the Gospels. It was astounding. You know, lost, lonely, empty, wretched people, the, the people that everybody's given up hope on. You, oh, lost cause, black sheep, that dude, he is going down. Everybody's given up on these people. They are coming to life at a touch, at a word of Jesus. I mean, they're, they're, they're just being swept up in the compassion and the power of, of God through Jesus Christ. And then all these other, uh, uh, these other believers, you know, uh, they've been waiting and waiting and waiting for centuries for God to save and God to deliver. Here is Jesus and they are energized. They are so filled with hope. What's going to happen next? I mean, Jesus had brought heaven to earth for all of these people. He's drawing so many into the kingdom of God. And so you have to realize before his death, what everyone's saying, especially after Palm Sunday, is he's the one. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. The wait is over. I mean, the, the spiritual lottery has happened. He is the Savior of, of all mankind. He is the Son of God. But then, suddenly, he is arrested, he's tried, he's convicted, 
and he's executed. For everyone, it's a huge case of what just happened here. And so we have to understand for those days following the cross, right? Friday night, Saturday, Sunday morning, for them, they are devastated. They are confused. They have nowhere to turn. And so what we are going to do now is pray, and then we are going to pick up the action three days later and see what happens. So join me in prayer. Father God, I thank you that, that what we just described is not being overly dramatic. God, it's not painting a picture that was not true. Father, we live on the other side of the cross. Lord, for us, our songs have always been hallelujah. Ever since we said yes to Jesus, we've turned into these Easter people. And hallelujah is our song. But Father, there was a short span of time when there was a believing community that was devastated and crushed. And Father, I thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are about to talk, uh, to talk about today. Lord, I, I just pray that the doors of our heart would once again be blown open by the, by the risen Lord Jesus Christ. I, I pray that the, the dust in our minds, Lord God, anything that is tired, Lord, that is given up, anything that is broken and feels beyond repair today, today would be resurrected, today would be risen. Father, we thank you for what Jesus did, and I just pray that somehow today we will get a glimpse, a heart glimpse into the wonder and, and the beauty of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Lucy, will you please read for us Luke 24, 13 through 24. All right. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked, walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along together? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to, the, to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. Thank you. Um, before we dive into the passage, I, I want to point out something that's very important about what Lucy just read. We are reading about two men who are taking a journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus, but they represent all of believing Israel at this time, okay? So these two men are stand-ins for all of the followers of Jesus. In other words, um, their conversation reflects what everybody is talking about in the area. Their demeanor, right? Their demeanor is what everybody is feeling, and their confusion is shared by, by everyone around them. Everyone who's placed their hope in Jesus having the same conversations, feeling the same way, and, and in the same confusion. So here are these two men, and they are walking home 
uh, from uh, Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile journey. And, and the reason they are in Jerusalem, most likely, is that they went there for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And while they're there, Palm Sunday happens, right? They get swept up in all the Palm Sunday excitement as, as Jesus rides into Jerusalem. But then they get swept downstream with everyone else when Jesus is arrested and he's put on trial. And then they had to watch in horror as Jesus is crucified and then laid in a tomb. And so now here they are, and it's three days later, and they're walking home because everything's over. And by the way, the three days is really important because in, uh, according to Jewish belief, resurrection, if, if you were a Jew who believed in resurrection, resurrection was only possible according to Jewish, Jewish history legend for three days. And so here they are, they are at the end of that time, and they're now making this sad march home. And they're talking about what they've seen and what they've heard in, in Jerusalem. They're trying to make sense of, of all of this madness and all of this chaos, asking each other gigantic questions like, uh, like, like why, why did Jesus die? How, how could this happen? What, what does this mean now? Where in the world are we supposed to go from here? Because everything was tied to him and he, he, he's gone. So they're having this conversation, digging real deep, and suddenly a man walks up out of nowhere, and Luke tells us who the man is. The man is Jesus. But here's the thing. These two men don't recognize that it is Jesus. And, and I know to us we go, wait a minute, that's impossible. These guys are followers of Jesus. They saw the miracles. They know what his voice sounds like. How could they not recognize Jesus? And there are two reasons. Now, the first one is a psychological reason. It is that they saw Jesus die. Jesus isn't here anymore. So mentally, there's a shift. There is no more Jesus on the earth. So mentally they have that. But then we have an, a, a scripture, a, an insight from the scriptures. And it's that Jesus is in disguise. They, number one, are kept from recognizing him by the Spirit of God. But there's another thing in play, which is that Jesus now has a resurrected body. Yes, that's right. Jesus doesn't look the same that he looked before his death. So Jesus walks up and he asks them a very simple question. And the question is, hey guys, what are you talking about? And you heard the answer that Lucy read from Scripture. And, and by the way, if, if you thought you heard a little bit of attitude coming from Cleopas, you know what? You're right. Cleopas has got a little bit of attitude. What, what do you mean? What are we talking about? Are you serious? Are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on around here? Where have you been, mister? And so we can stop and ask a question. All right, well, why the attitude from Cleopas? What's, what's his deal? Well, well there are two, two things going on here. I'm kind of stuck with twos this morning for explanations, but there are a couple things going on here. The first one is this. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody? And, it, and, and, you know, it's a conversation, you know, where you're really engaging. You know, you're hearing a story. They're telling you what's going on. And somebody dive bombs the conversation. Has anyone had that? You know, a third person walks up and dive bombs it. Well, there's a, a word for that. Um, Lucy, uh, her word for that is root. R-U-T-E. That is root. It's rude to be dive bombed. 
So Cleopas is probably, you know, it's like, dude, what are you doing here? We're having a conversation. But the, the, the second thing, or the second part of this, is what Cleopas says to the disguised Jesus. He says, sir, are you kidding me asking this question? The most devastating thing that could have ever happened to us, it just happened. So what else would we be talking about? And so we have this attitude, and yet, despite the attitude, Jesus, because he is up to something, as Jesus often is, uh, Jesus asks the question again. He rephrases it, and he says to them, okay, well, then tell me what just happened in Jerusalem that everybody's talking about. And so, with downcast faces, the two men tell Jesus, what just happened to Jesus? It's yeah, I mean, it's funny. They tell Jesus what just happened to Jesus. But what they do is they relate the story is they relate with crystal clarity why everyone is so devastated. Listen to this. It is that Jesus, whom we all love so much, he's gone forever, and here it is, to us, he was a true prophet of God. He was revealing the love and the wisdom of God. He moved. He acted. He spoke with the life-changing power of God. He did all of this to such an extent that we really believed he was the one. He was the one who would redeem Israel. And I hope you notice in all of that that the word was just moved right onto center stage. You know, the past tense, when it comes to Jesus, is, is, is what's being put out here. Jesus was changing everything, but that was three days ago, and this is now. Because the same religious leaders who challenged him at every turn, they had him executed. That was three days ago. And so here we are, like everybody else, and we are spiritually stranded. And then they go on to say, as if that wasn't woeful and weird enough, a couple of our women came up to us today, and, and you know, by our women, we have friends that are women in the company of Christ, but, but, but some of our women came up, and they amazed us with a story that had the most incredible twist to it. They said they went to Jesus' tomb this morning, and they didn't find Jesus. And by didn't find Jesus, his body wasn't there. They didn't find him. But what they said they did find were a couple of angels who said Jesus was alive. And so they rushed back. They told us about it. And a couple of the disciples, and you all know the story, Peter and John, they raced off to the tomb, and they found it exactly like the women said, which means, of course, they didn't find Jesus. Sir, there you have it. That's what we were talking about when you walked up. So Jesus now responds to the two men who, like everybody, are absolutely devastated. And Jesus does it in classic Jesus fashion. He brings them the truth wrapped up in a whole lot of love. So Lucy, read for us, if you will, 25 through 29. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Okay, now here, here's what Jesus is doing at this point. 
he is being a shepherd, all right? With these two men, he is gently but very deliberately shepherding them back to green pastures of faith and life. But Jesus is also doing something else. He's being a bit of a blacksmith, all right? Jesus is fanning their hearts. He's fanning the sparks of hope and love and faith. He's fanning these back up into a flame. And what happens to these two guys is they begin, even here, all right, they don't have the big reveal yet. The lights haven't completely gone on, but they are already beginning to revive spiritually. And here's how we know. We know because just a minute ago, this man, the disguised Jesus who walked up, he was a stranger, he was an annoyance, he was an intruder, but here they are begging him to stay with them. He's gone from being, you know, this, this you know, intruder to stay with us. Would you come? We want to hear more. Talk to us more. Come, stay the night. Eat with us. Lucy, as they sit down at the table to eat, it happens. So, Lucy, read what happens in the last six verses. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, where they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two of them told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So what Jesus does for these men is, in a sense, he recreates the Last Supper. And it's at that moment when he breaks bread and he prays and offers it to them, their eyes open. They know who they are at the table with. They realize it is Jesus Christ. Everything within them goes, <gasps> and then, you know, he disappears. He's gone. But what happens in that moment is that these two men, they are hit with a tidal wave. Everything that seemed lost just a couple of days ago, even that morning, everything they've lost comes back. They are hit with a tidal wave of the love of God, the resurrection of Christ. Hope, joy, peace just come flooding them. And, and so they jump up from the table and they race back to Jerusalem in the dark. And we have to understand that these men are running seven miles in the dark. They find the disciples. They crash through the door. And they say what we said this morning. He is risen. Everything's changed. Just like that for these two men. And it is a beautiful story. For, for Okay, it, maybe it's not your favorite. For how many of us is this, this passage? It is like in our top ten of passages. Just the sweetness of it, the heart's burning within us. I mean, this is one that we all come alive with. So it's an incredible story. You've probably heard it preached before. So here's how I want to end this. I want to end with just a few comments and a couple of simple questions related to the passage. So here are the comments, okay? Going back to the cross of Jesus Christ, the crucifixion of Jesus... I want to make sure we all understand that what happened to Jesus on that cross is all because of sin. That is why Jesus Christ uh, went to the cross. It is sin. It is because we human beings sinned against God. And, and I know what we like to do is go, you know, I know, Eve, thank you, Adam, thank you. Listen, it wasn't just at the beginning. We sinned against God in the beginning the middle, 
and the end against God. And the truth of it is, is that the wages of sin is death. That, that's how this works spiritually. So, sin and everything that comes with it, everything attached to sin, crime, sickness, loneliness, poverty, fear, abuse, emptiness, when it comes to sin, sin is all on us. Sin is all on humanity. We are to blame for the mess of human history. And I know that's a, a sober, hard fact, but I tell you, without grasping that, there's no need for salvation. There's no need for God. It is the truth that comes before the way, the truth, and the life in our lives. And, and, but see, here's the thing. While sin is all on us, as beautiful as you are, it's on you too. While it's all on us, salvation is all on Jesus Christ. Jesus died for us. Jesus died in our place. We should have been there. But he went there in our place and he died for us. And he died to set us free from sin forever. That, that's why we get so excited when we go, he is risen because it really, really means something. This is what it means. He set us free. And, and uh, Isaiah 53, 5 says this. But he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. But by his wounds, we are healed. We are saved. And so here we are on this Easter morning, and I'll just say it again. He is risen. So here's the question before us, one of two questions. The question is, Jesus Christ certainly is risen, but are you and I risen? Are you and I resurrected? I want you to know this today. If, if you have never asked Jesus Christ into your life as Lord and Savior, there is a reason why we put such, such an emphasis on it. There's a reason why the church goes out, people proclaim the message and um, it's this, because to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it is to be resurrected yourself. It is to be raised up forever, to live forever. It's to be set free from sin. And listen, if you had a BC, a before Jesus like I did, oh my gosh, to be set free from that stuff, that, oh, it's the greatest thing. There is nothing that compares to it to be set free by Jesus, to be brought from death to life, mourning to dancing, to, to live all over again. It's just the greatest. And, and one thing I discovered, hopefully you discover it. If, if you don't know Jesus, hopefully you know this already. You don't have to be, go through the, ride the Knucklehead Express like I did for so many years of my life. When this all came to life for me was when I realized there was nothing I could do to save myself. That's another part of that truth about, about uh, sin and death. You cannot save yourself. You can't save the person next to you spiritually. Even if you're a pastor and you go to seminary, you can't save anybody. Jesus and Jesus alone is our salvation. Acts 4.12 says this beautiful scripture. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. 
And so listen, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, we are not going to sit here and point the finger and condemn. What we're giving you today is an invitation. We're saying step into this water. It is so good. It is so cleansing. You will come to life. Say yes to Jesus Christ. I mean, what a better day than Easter to say. Well, isn't that the coolest thing? On Easter. I invite you to know him. And I tell you, to know, know, know him is to love, love, love him. It is, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So, yeah, amen. That's good. Oh, I love it. Yes. Right on time. The tempo is perfect, too. All right. So here's a second question, though, for all of us who are Christians, all right? For all of us who have accepted Jesus Christ, if we have received him as Lord and Savior, are we walking in salvation? Are we walking in a resurrection life? And the reason I ask that to us as Christians is because it is entirely possible, been there, done that, it is entirely possible to say yes to Jesus and to begin to slide back into darkness into sin. You know, actually, the two guys on the way to Emmaus are beginning that slide, you know. They're a little bit of a slide. I can't moonwalk, so this is as close as I can do. But they, they, are, they are slipping back into doubt and fear. But see, here's the good news today. He is not only risen, He's here. Jesus Christ is here. He doesn't just show up on the way to Emmaus. Jesus is in this room right now. Do you realize that? And as we pray, He's here. By His Spirit, He is here. As we're worshiping, He is here. He is here in this Word. And here's a wild twist about the Word of God. Uh, Jesus Christ is also called the living Word. Y'all, Jesus is present. And I'll tell you what He's here to do for you and I who are people of faith. And, and you know, we get a little cold sometimes. You know we, 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 you know, we slide back. You know what Jesus is here to do for us? He's here to just fan these, these hearts into flame again. This is what He loves to do. He wants to give you a burning heart today. A burning heart of love and purpose. And you know this wonderful Holy Spirit that's poured out on Pentecost? But Jesus loves pouring out His Holy Spirit on His people. And if that happened to you a while ago and you go, well, I know, but I already did that. Well, guess what? Paul says to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is something that's accessible every day. Jesus is here to ignite the body of Christ. And you know, all we have to do in response to all of this is just say yes. Say yes to Jesus by faith. Just to cry out with a sincere heart, whether today we're saying, Lord, I've never known you, but today I get it. I receive you as Lord and Savior. That, that can, that's your yes. Or for the rest of us, just come on, Lord. Fan, fan the, the, my heart into flame once again. Whether it's for the first time or the 51st time on Easter, come on, Jesus. Come on and do what you do. Thank you for listening to the KPC Podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.